Let's get ready this morning to receive from God what God has for us. And I believe God has some things in store for you today. Last week, my daughter called me after church, and she asked if I'd heard the news about Kobe Bryant. And uh, Lisa went on to say that her son Luke was taking it very hard because that was his sports hero. It was a senseless and a sad thing. It was a senseless and a sad thing, but, everybody say but. But, but there was other families affected by that yeah, trauma too. Yeah, right. And you know, I've been thinking about that all week and the word trauma. And um, a, tra a traumatic event has come to every one of us in this room at one time or another. And many times we hear news, and maybe it's not about ourselves, but it's about a loved one or friend or someone we know, and it, it affects us. And uh, you see, we've all had some kind of trauma in our lives, and, you know, the thing of it is, we will have it again. Come on, somebody. Yeah. And at the end of the service this morning, I had uh, said something to Jacob and about the praise and worship team coming back. We want to have a time of just ministering to folk, and some of you just need some real ministry from the Holy Spirit to just minister to you. So we're going to have a special time of prayer for any and all of those going through trauma. And here's the thing. It may not be that you've been, you know, maybe hits a, a loved one. Maybe hits a child. Maybe hits a spouse. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a situation. Maybe it's a circumstance. Sometimes you can hear some news and it sends you into a trauma traumatic event. Come on, somebody. Yeah, right. And, you know, I, I've been in some trauma and trauma sometimes just freezes us. And it, it just it almost paralyzes us. And we need to be freed from that. Somebody say amen. So how will we deal with trauma when it happens? How do we deal with it when it happens? What do we need to know about trauma to be more proactive in dealing with it in our lives? And again, it may not be in your life, but it could be in your spouse's life. It could be in one of your children's life, you know. So today's message is transform, transforming, transformation, I'm sorry, in the wake of trauma. Transformation in the wake of trauma. And I gave you a scripture, I want you to look at, it's on the screen this morning, or it's in your notes. In Romans 12, uh, uh, 2 says, in the New Living Translation, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. A lot of the traumatic events that you're going through starts right here. Somebody say amen. amen. It's the way we think about it. How, how many has ever heard the, uh, you know, and I don't want to belittle any trauma that anybody is going through, okay, this morning. I definitely don't want to do that. But how many of you know sometimes we make mountains out of molehills? Sometimes, and, and, and you know what, how many of you know we have a devil who is a devil of a devil? Come on, somebody. And what he wants to do is amplify things in our minds. And that's the reason when transformation takes place, it changes the way you think about things. Your, your mind begins to change. You begin to think about the goodness of God. You begin to think the power of God. You begin to think about miracles. Come on, somebody. You know, how many of you know you'll never have a miracle unless you believe for one? 
So changing the way you think, then you will learn how, notice this, then you will learn, then you will know, I should say, know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You will know, how many of you want to know God's will, you know? You know, you know, I, some, you know we, we walk in our will sometimes, and, and the thing of it is, we want our will to be aligned with God's will. God, you know, we, we are free moral agents, and God, we're not puppets on a string, you know. But God gives us a will. But at the same time, God wants that, our will to line up with his will. And when that happens, there, you know, we are blessed, and things, good things happen. I want you to notice in the Phillips translation, that same portion of Scripture there says it this way. Don't let... The world around you squeeze you into its mold. And that's what happens a lot of times. This world is squeezing us into its mold. You, you see, the, the world's way of dealing with trauma is very different in the way God will deal with trauma. Can I get a witness? Notice verse 2 again. It says, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Today's message will not be a message that will minister to every hurt and need in this assembly, and I understand that. And sometimes when we give you scripture, you know, that, you know, all scripture is good. Come on, somebody. Uh, the word of God is always good, but sometimes it's not specifically to your need at that particular time. But I want you to know something. God has a word for each and every one of us today. And if you'll just listen, I believe in through all that we're saying, God can speak to you about your trauma and your need and minister to you. Somebody say amen. amen. The trauma you're going through, we may not understand, but God does. And he can touch you through it all. Now, there's a lot of times people don't understand things that I'm going through. People don't understand things that you're going through. And sometimes we can't understand what another person is going through. And that's the reason many times we just need to pray for someone. When you don't know what to do, how many of you know prayer does change things? And God's eyes are upon us. His ears are open to our cries. The Bible says we have not because we have not. Well, if God wants to bless me, he probably will. No, he won't. He only will when you ask him to. He said, ask and it shall be. Seeking you shall. Knocking it shall be. Open unto you. So there's something that you need to do. God wants to hear from you. You know, God wants to hear from you. We're not a, a knot on a log. Come on, somebody. We're human beings and we're made in the image of God. And God wants to hear from his creation. Come on, somebody. Amen. And when that happens, you know, you, 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 you know, God begins to come on the scene. Well, the next scripture we have, and put that up there if you would, the next slide, 1 Kings 19.1, it says, Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Verse 2, So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be hit ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow... I do not make your life like one of them. And then the last part of that phrase says, Scripture there says, and Elijah was what? I can't hear you. One more time. Now, you know, sometimes when we hear things, how many of you have heard something and fears gripped your heart? And that's what happened. I mean, here is the greatest of the Old Testament prophets, Elijah. 
called down fire from heaven in a, and spoke uh, the prophetic word. And for three and a half years, not one drop of rain fell from the heavens because he said so. He spoke a prophetic word and it happened. Come on, somebody. And I mean, here, here is this man of God. And, and then, uh, you know, all of a sudden, one woman says something and it turns everything around in his life. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Heavenly Father, I thank you for everyone that's here today. And you said, he that has an ear to hear, let him hear. And I want us to hear today, God, help us to uh, hear today. Help us, Lord God, to have a sensitive ear to hear what you're saying. Lord, help us to understand what to do when trauma comes into our lives. Heavenly Father, allow us and allow your Holy Spirit to minister to every need here today and to our loved ones that may not even be in this room. God, we're just asking for your divine intervention today. We ask it in Jesus' name and all God's people said. I want to talk about transforming power of the Holy Spirit that can change the atmosphere in your life when you find yourself in a traumatic situation. Whether we make wrong choices or other things that may happen that hurt us, or tra- tragedy happens to all of us at one time or another. And in that event, we need to turn to God and God's Word and God's way, and we need to hear what God wants us to know and to see at that particular time, and to change the way we think. Come on, somebody. So we're going to look at the prophet Elijah, and he found himself in a traumatic situation. Elijah's trauma was, it caused him to go into depression. And let me just say this. Not every traumatic situation is going to cause someone to go into uh, depression, but it did here with Elijah. But let me tell you something. Your trauma can, cha- uh, you know, uh, your trauma can cause, rather, a lot of things that will happen in your life. You know, some people have had, because of traumatic situations, had heart attacks. Come on, somebody. And had other physical ailments because of the traumatic situation that they are, were going through at the time. So as we look at this, let's look a little bit of uh, uh, Israel's history and how God raised up this one man by the name of Elijah to change things in Israel. Israel was at that point in a very sinful nation uh, because a lot of things that had happened. As a matter of fact, Ahab was the 19th consecutive evil king in Israel, and the scriptures tell us that he had done more evil in the eyes of God than any other before him, any other king before him. And also, the Bible teaches us that he actually gave his leadership over to his wife by the name of Jezebel, and uh, who was also evil. And Elijah, you know, had that prophetic word, as I said before, that there, wouldn't be, there would be a drought in Israel for three and a half years. And when Ahab came in contact with Elijah, he said, you're the problem in Israel. And, he, and, and Elijah turned around and said, no, I'm not the problem. It's your sin that's the problem. Come on, somebody. Amen. And God raised up Elijah to defeat the 850 false prophets on a place called Mount Carmel. I've been there in Israel. I went to Israel, stood on the place, and looked over to the Mediterranean Sea. And boy, it's, just, it's a marvelous event, you know, a place to be. But here Elijah came, and it, there, it, for three and a half years, there wasn't, there wasn't a drop of rain. And when, you, when your foot would hit the ground, dust would fly everywhere because it was everything. Cattle had died, things that had happened. And you're talking about getting the attention. God got the attention, and Elijah got the attention of all Israel. 
And he challenged all the false prophets on a place called uh, Mount Carmel. And there they were. And he said, you know what? I'm going to let you go first. And it, let's see whose God is God. And if your God is God, we'll serve him. But if my God is God, let's serve him. And, and then they began to, they said, you go ahead. You go first. He said, let the God that, you know, answers by fire be the God. And, you know. <laughs> Uh, those false prophets, they got up there and they done everything, chanted, cut themselves with knives, did all, made sacrifices, but nothing ha happened. Not one sound from heaven, you know, not nothing happened at all. Elijah got up with a short prayer and began to pray that prayer, and the fire fell from heaven upon the, and, and, and you know, even Elijah, when he got up there, he even told him to pour water on the sacrifice to make sure that, you know, they said, well, it's already burning. Oh, and pour water all over that wood. And when the fire came down, it began to just lick up the, the water and burn the fire. And I mean, you could just tell it was a, 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 an event from God, and God was there. And after that, Elijah said, kill all these false prophets. There's 850 of them. They were all slaughtered. And he did what God wanted him to do, and he began to do the right thing in Israel. But Queen Jezebel was mad. Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by tomorrow, about this time, that I will make your life like one of them. In other words, you're dead meat, Elijah. Elijah's reaction was he was afraid to begin to run. And actually, Elijah was traumatized. And if one of the greatest prophets in the Bible can be traumatized, let me tell you something, each one of us can be traumatized. That's an amen like. Come on, somebody. If, 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 if it can happen to the greatest of all prophets, it can happen to any one of us. Somebody say amen. amen. Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you, and you're going to be a dead man by tomorrow at this time. Then the scripture says, Elijah was what? Elijah was afraid, and he ran. Think about and remember all the miracles that Elijah did with God's help, and now he's afraid of one woman. It must have been PMS. Come on, somebody. They said, what's the difference between a Doberman pincher and a woman with PMS? And somebody said, lipstick. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I want to talk about four choices that cause trauma in Elijah's life. But first, what do we mean by trauma? Let's define it. Four choices Elijah made that caused trauma in his life. And, you know, trauma, you know, can be something that can happen to any one of us. And as I said earlier, it paralyzes the way we think. It, it gets us off track. It, it messes with us spiritually, physically, emotionally, in, in every way. And it did so with Elijah. So as we put this on the screen, look at it this morning. The first thing I wanted you to notice, a choice was, Elijah wore himself out. And 1 Kings 19.3 says, when he came to Beersheba, in Judah, he left his servant there, and he himself went a day's journey into the desert. And at the end of that, it says, and then he lay down under a juniper tree, and he fell asleep. Now, how many of you have ever had a problem going to sleep? Let me see your hand. You ever had a problem going to sleep? Okay. Now, you know, I, I got a machine that makes a little noise. Someone got me for one of my, uh, you know, um, one of my kids got me for Christmas, and it can, it can be a rainforest, it can be thunder, waves, sea. You know, whatever. How many of you know that's pretty good? You know, I, I like that. 
I, I like the rain and the thunder, you know. It makes a little noise, drowns everything else out. Makes me think I'm down on our property, we are hunting property, and I'm getting ready to go out hunting in a little bit to get my deer. Come on, somebody. And so I'm just going on to sleep. But sometimes when I'm tired, everybody say, when, you're, when, when pastor's tired. When pastor's tired, when I'm sitting in my easy chair watching the ball game, sometimes my wife comes through. And, and as, as she comes through and she goes back, and as she's going back, sometimes it wakes me up a little bit. And I say, oh, she said, yeah, you were asleep. How many of you know when you're tired, it's as easy, you, you fall asleep? You don't have to go to sleep, you fall asleep. So when you're tired, it's real easy to go to sleep. You don't need something else to help you to do that. And Elijah just, you know, he, he fell asleep. Why? Because he was worn out. And notice over the past few years, Elijah had been on a massive spiritual battle, trusting God and praying and seeking God, having trials, running here, running there, doing the bidding of God. And geographically, he couldn't have run any further that day from Israel all the way from the, you know, from the northern shores down to the southern tip. And, and the place that he ran was a, a long way. And the Bible says he leaves his buddy, his servant, and he runs another day's journey into the desert. Now, folks, I don't know about you, but, you know, you know these people that run these marathons, if I ran a marathon, I would have to have one of those breathing machines going along with me. Come on, somebody. Because how many of you know after about, <laughs> how many's ever run the 600-yard dash? Let me see you. You know, 600-yard dash. Some of you did that in school, you know. Boy, I tell you what, that about got me the 600-yard dash. I realize I'm out of shape. I mean, I can't, you know. Here, you know, anybody here run a mile lately? Let me see your hand. You ever run a, anybody ever run a mile? Okay, I got two or three people. How many of you know? That's a long way. And I'm not talking about walking. I mean, I'm not talking about getting on your treadmill and just walking. You know, I'm talking about running. It's going to wear you out. How many of you know it's going to wear you out? It's going to make you tired, and that's what happened with Elijah, I mean, all these things, you know, and, and it's no wonder that he got depressed, you know, it's no wonder that, that things were happening to him. I'm saying all this to say this to you folks, sometimes we need to take inventory of where we are, what has happened in our lives, and sometimes we begin to figure out where we are because of things that's happened in our lives. Sometimes people don't eat right, sometimes people don't exercise right, come on somebody, and there's things that we could do that would help us in, in, in things that are going on in our lives. Some of you moms, you're, you're working a full-time job. You're taking care of the house. You're putting dinner on the table. You're carting kids around all over the world, uh, uh, PTA or whatever it is, involved in the church. And, and, and you're wondering, what's wrong with me? Well, you're tired. You need some rest. That's all you need, some rest. Sometimes, you know, I've talked to people and I've said, well, what have you eaten today? Well, I eat a piece of toast. Folks, that's not enough. I asked the question, do you take any vitamins? No. Well, you probably are just running yourself ragged and you need something. to Come on, somebody. And there's just some practical things that we need to know about. We're wearing ourselves out. It's not just a, a, a physical exertion. But you're being strong for your spouse. You're being strong for your children. You're being strong for your uh, uh, grandchildren. Uh, you're the provider. You're the, the promoter. You're the protector. You're the problem solver. Come on, somebody. And after a while, you're wearing yourself out. You've got to help nurture them. And, and it's all this stuff that they're involved in. And you're totally exhausted. You're wearing yourself out. 
My, my son Jacob and I, we were going to go out and get some coffee and some lunch. And I said, Jacob, I need to go to the hospital. Will you go with me and we'll just go out in the Kettering area? And we did so. And uh, we, we were going to go to a particular restaurant. And all of a sudden, we felt like we just need to go to Chick-fil-A. Anybody like Chick-fil-A? I'll make you hungry this morning. Boy, that chicken. They do chicken right. <laughs> They're not open today on Sunday. That's right. Well, anyway, we stopped at Chick-fil-A. We got our, our, our food, and we went, and we sat down. And, and you know, it's kind of crowded. And we sat down with the guy about a, a seat or two over. Uh, it was a little bench there. And he was on this end. I'm on this end. Jacob's here, and we're eating. And Jacob kept looking at him, and he's pointing towards this guy that's sitting over there. So I, I kind of look at him, and I think, yeah, the guy was asleep. You know, and I'm thinking, oh, boy, that guy must be tired. You know, I'm thinking, you know, I don't know. I don't think I've ever went to sleep in a restaurant, but I have in my easy chair. You know, I'm thinking, well, he's just asleep. Well, we sat and ate our lunch. I mean, we, we, we're ready to go. And Jake kept pointing, Dad, you think he's okay? And I just had him turn around and look. I, know, I knew the guy. You know, it was uh, Sister Blair. Anybody remember Sister Blair? Yeah. It was Sister Blair's uh, uh, son-in-law, Jim Bradfield. And I'm, I'm looking at him, and I'm thinking, oh, wow, I know this guy. And I said, I said Jim, Jim, Jim. He, 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 you know, nothing was happening here. So, you know, I got up, and I said, Jim, real loud. How many of you know I got a loud voice? Yeah. And I said, Jim, you know, I got him. Somebody's going to jump out of the skin, you know. He didn't do anything. I think, oh, my goodness. I, I put my hand on his shoulder, and when I did, my hand was wet. I thought there's a problem here. How many of you know there's a problem there? And I was able to call, we called, I said, someone called 911. They called 911. The medics came. They're asking me, do you know this person? Yeah, I do. And, uh, you know, I called his wife. And, you know, they got, got into the hospital. I, we went over to the hospital at Kettering. Trying to make a long story short, when we were there, got the information he needed. And, uh, you know, it had some medical problems. How many of you know there are people that are going through things today? And we need to be sensitive about that. And, you know, I don't know that Jim just wore himself out, but, you know, I think there's some medical things there too. But, you know, he sent me a, a note and thanked me for, you know, being there and praying, you know, with him and, 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 and all the things that we do. But to make a long short, short, as I said, we called the paramedics. They took care of him, took him to the hospital. Everything's okay with him. But let me tell you something. It wasn't okay at that particular time. There was something going on there, Okay. So sometimes we wear ourselves out by the things that we do. Number two, he shut people out. And that's exactly what Elijah did. He abandoned his closest friends, his servant. He said, you stay here, I'm going on. He left his servant there, he went on. And quite honestly, that's what a lot of us do when we get overwhelmed, like I'm not going to uh, you know, going to let you in, and we keep people out. I'm not uh, going to tell you what I'm going through right now. And we kind of shut other people out. Can I get a witness? If I did, you wouldn't understand anyway. And so we wall, put walls up, and we don't let people in. Many people, when they're worn out and hurting, they put up walls. I mean, I'm, I'm going to deal with this by myself. How many of you would agree this morning that we need each other? Amen. We don't let others help us. 
And the result is, can lead us into depression and other things, health issues. We think that we can get through this by ourselves. Let me tell you something. God not only is there for us, but sometimes he puts people there for us. Amen? And we need to take advantage of that. Number three, you focus on the negative. How many of you would agree that there's a lot of negative voices in our world today? A man went to the barber shop. And as a lot of barbers do, he started asking the man questions. Well, where are you going? I'm going to Rome, Italy. Rome, Italy is a bad place to go. How are you going to get there? Well, I'm flying TWA. TWA is a bad airline. What are you going to do when you get there? I'm going to see the Pope. The Pope is a bad man. About a month later, the man came back for another haircut. The barber started again. How was your trip? The guy said it was great. How was Rome? It was great. And how was your visit with the Pope? It was great. And I even got to kiss the Pope's ring. And while I was down there, the Pope said, Who gave you that bad haircut? (laughs) There's negative voices in the world today. Back to Elijah. What did he say in verse 5? Elijah said, I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Now, what's so funny is nobody was asking if he was better than any of his ancestors. You know, nobody asked that question, you know. But in his mind, this self-pity started to take over. And folks, I'll tell you, you know, self-pity can be the worst enemy that you can have it can really defeat you. And, 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 and what self-pity does is it exaggerates. It makes things bigger than what they are. I, I'm never going to be any good. I'm always going to be stuck in this life. My life's going to never get better. Come on, somebody. And you hear these negative, it's self-pity. Your self will say that to you. Self-pity will say that to you. And sometimes others have negative voices that will come after you. I'm never going to get into that school. and I'm never going to get that grade. I mean, I'm going to get the, I'm never going to get that promotion. I'm never going to get that job. My kids are never going to come to Christ. You know, uh, it, it's, uh, it, it's just exaggeration. And it's really focusing on the negative. And many people do that. Can I get a witness? It's focusing on all the bad things and none of the good things. Now, that leads you and can lead you into a traumatic situation. The trauma in Elijah's life was brought on by the choices that he made, and he ended up being depressed. You want to get depressed? Here it is, brothers and sisters. Right here in the Scripture, you wear yourself out like many of you have. You shut other people out, and you don't let them in. And let me just pause right here. Some trauma are brought on by others in other situations as well. Somebody say amen. So you may be in a traumatic situation. You may have contributed to it. Others may have contributed to it. It may be a situation of life that's contributed to it. But it's brought trauma in your life. Those are out of your your control. And the Bible says, here's what the Bible says. Weep with those that are weeping and rejoice with those that are rejoicing. Everybody say, weep with those that are weeping. 
And I really feel like some of you may be weeping on the inside this morning here, and we want to weep with you. I don't want to make light of trauma that you're going through in your life. And, and, and it may not even be your fault. It may be none of the choices that you've made. I, 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 I want to say that up front because I don't, you know, you know th this is not a, a one-fits-all message this morning. And, and, you know, I don't want to make things simple or simplicity or nothing like that. Let me tell you something. The trauma it happens in so many ways. Somebody say amen. amen. And they're made. But the one that can help you this morning is God. Amen. amen. And he's here today. So we want to weep with you, we want to mourn with you, we want to pray with you, we don't want to make light of your situation. On the other hand, you may find yourself in a place like Elijah making some wrong choices. And here's what happens, sometimes when trauma hits, what happens is it throws the mind out of gear, you're not thinking right, okay, you start making some wrong choices, going down the wrong path, and, and you know, you go from the... <laughs> uh, you know, you go from bad to worse, okay? You, 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 you just, you, you, you're, you're, you're kind of sp spiraling out of control. And you're wearing yourself out. You're shutting other people out. You're focusing on the negative. And number four, Elijah forgot God. Elijah forgot about God. Maybe in your trauma, you're forgetting God. And, and all that we saw God do in the life of Elijah, the supernatural acts Folks, let me tell you something. There was a lot of miracles in the life of Elijah. Somebody say amen to that. I mean, the powerful man of God and things happening, you know, and supernatural protection, supernatural provision, the birds feeding him. <laughs> he put his hands behind his head, and every morning he just, all he had to do is open his mouth. A bird just comes and drops some food in. Fed by the ravens, the Bible says. Water from the brook. Everybody else's water was, you know, there was no rain nowhere, but he was right by the brook. He had water, he had food, and even, and then even the angels of the Lord came by and gave him some bread. Come on, somebody. Supernatural things happening. Our thoughts. Elijah, all that God had did, and now you're thinking that you're, he's not going to protect you, he's not going to be there for you. And see, this is what our mind sometimes tells us. You know that God's a thousand miles away. Folks, God's not a thousand miles away. He's Emmanuel. He's God with us. He's with us this morning. Somebody say amen. amen. What about how we react at times? Can we look back at, you know, the faithfulness of God in our lives and the times that he was there, the times that he did provide, and the times that he did comfort us, the times that he did strengthen us, the times that he did uh, provide for us. And how many of you know he can do it again? He, he, you know, he, he has an unlimited supply for us. He was everything we needed, but in the moment when depression sets in, when, when I'm down, we forget about the faithfulness of God. We start thinking about all of our woes and where we are and how am I going to get out of this. Yeah, come on, somebody. You know. Oh, my. But let's, let's move on. God's transforming power for trauma. Maybe you're in a place of hopelessness, and the good news is this. God wants to speak to you this morning. I believe he can. Elijah didn't have any hope. He was hiding out and wanting to die. And, and I want you to notice some things here. God sends an angel to represent God and notice what God did for him, this angel, uh, you know, you know, and, 
provided for him and you know it didn't give him a sermon you know no 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 he he understood where elijah was and began to make some more provisions there was no rebuke there was no shame the angel is not saying oh if you only had more faith if you could just memorize some bible verses Fooey. So, some people, let me tell you something, we, we don't need Job's comforters in a time like that. Can I get a witness? Uh, I mean, some people, it's like, dude, where is your brain? I'll leave it there. I'm not going to go no further. I think you got my drift. But there was no rebuke. There was no negativity from God. And we all need to learn from God when we are in a negative, when we're negative towards someone else. Can I get an amen on that one? Amen. That's kind of an amen light, I say. Come on, somebody. The very first thing that the angel of the Lord says, if you're taking notes, number one, God says to eat and rest. Can you imagine that? It wasn't something supernatural, but it was eat and rest. Look at verse 5. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked around and there was by his head was a cake of bread baked over the coals. I bet it's even better than what some of you ladies can bake. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. Wow. Let me have you know, that's, he's tired. He ate and drank and then lay down again. Those in ministry, a counselor would say that you're in the early stages of burnout. And one area where we miss it is we don't observe the Sabbath. We don't get the proper rest. How many of you know if God took six days doing all he did and the Bible says he rested on the seventh day? If God needs it, so do you. Now, to preachers, many times the Sabbath is not Sunday. The Sabbath is a Monday or another day because, you know, the, you know Sunday is, is one of our toughest days because we're, you know, to most minist in ministries or pastors. But we all need proper rest. Can I get a witness? Amen. Notice verse 7. The angel of the Lord came back a second time. Wow. And touched him and says, get up and eat. Second time. For the journey is too much for you. See, God knew that Elijah, what, God, how many of you know God knows what's in your mind? God knows what you're going to do. And God was there for Elijah to prepare him for what he knew he was going to. And he didn't want him to do what he was doing. But how many of you know sometimes we got our mind made up. Ain't nobody going to change it. So he got up, he ate and drank, strengthened by the food, strengthened by the food, strengthened by the food, strengthened by the food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he, re uh, when he reached out to the mount of God. Now notice this, strengthened by the food and certainly by the rest. Strengthened 40 days and 40 nights until he reached the mountain of God. And now this is the same mountain that most scholars believe where God gave the Ten Commandments, okay? Basically, eat, rest, and go to church. Go to the place where God is. God's prescription for depression is eat, rest, and now go to the place where you experience God. Mm. Number two, God replaces our lives with his truth. 
God replaces our lies with his truth. Look at verse 9. Then he went into a cave and he spent the night. And the word of the Lord came unto him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've broken down your altars. They put your prophets to death with the sword. And I am the only one left. It's just me. There's nobody else around. There's nobody serving God anymore. And now they're trying to kill me. Notice what God says to Elijah. What are you doing here? God's not out there going, hmm, I'm wondering. Let me see if I can find out what Elijah's doing here. Hmm, wonder what he's doing here. How many of you know God already knew what he was doing there? He knew. He knew what he was there. God already knew. And when God wanted Elijah to do was to voice his problem, to verbalize what lies he was believing. And that's exactly many times what God wants you to do. God wants you to begin to speak out something that you're believing. Let me tell you something. You can believe a lie and be damned. Come on, somebody. And, and, and you know, the, the devil has a lot of lies that he is throwing out there and trying to get you to believe something that's not there. Well, you know, your daddy died at 50, and you probably will too. Now, you believe that stuff, and you may just die at 50. My grandma lived to be in her 90s. Hallelujah, I'm claiming that. Are you hearing me now? What are you doing here, Elijah? God already knew that, what he was there for. God could have corrected the lies. The devil speaks lies to us. God could have corrected the lies. But he said, what are you doing here? He wanted to hear from him. He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God. True. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. True. They've broken down your altars. True. And put down the prophets to the death. True. I'm the only one left down there trying to kill me. False. He didn't get an A. Come on, somebody. I'm the only one left. False. I've been doing all the work. False. I'm the only one who cares. False. I'm the only one that's getting anything done. False. His whole narrative was a lie. He, he was believing a lie, and that's where it got him to where he was. He owned more responsibility than he actually was his. He had done what God had asked him to do, but he thought he was supposed to do everything else and to do other people's things. The lies, there's no one here who cares. Everybody's dependent on me. Duh, that's not true. That, that was not the way it was. I'm all alone. Duh, he wasn't all alone. Come on, somebody. Nobody understands. Duh, that was all lies. And that's what the enemy was trying to do there, trying to do. The truth is, the truth and to know it will set you free. Come on, somebody. The Bible says to know the truth and the truth will set you free. Somebody said, well, you know the truth will set you free. No, it won't. To know the truth will set you free. You got to know what the truth says. That's what's going to set you free. Free, you're going to have to have the knowledge of the truth, and it will set you free. God says, Elijah, I have 7,000 down in Israel that have not bowed the knee to Baal. You're not the only one. There's another 7,000 others. See, sometimes we think we're the only one. Come on, somebody. God says, that's not so. 
Oh, my marriage could never be healed. Why? Why do you think that? I had a couple that had filed for divorce. And one of the parties was just didn't want that to happen. And we prayed and we believed God. How many of you would agree that all things are possible to them that believe? We just laid our hands on them papers and prayed and believed God. And you know what? In 24 hours, them papers was torn up and the couple came back together. And they're still together today. My kids, they're never going to come to Christ. Why? The Bible says, if you believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved and your household. See, that's the truth. Come on, somebody. You say, well, I, well look at the situation. They're at. Let me tell you something. God can turn that situation around. I, I've been around long enough to see God move in situations. You know, I've got this medical report, and I've got 30 days to live. Uh, oh, is that too hard for God to turn around? Is that too hard for God to heal a situation? My life's never going to be any better. I'm never going to have an intimate relationship, you know. Uh, you know, and, and, and what God says, not the enemy. You need to believe what God says. Not the enemy. Where are you now? Who are you? Who are you this morning? Well, you know, Pastor, I feel, I'm, I feel, I feel. Right there's, right there's your first thing. Get feeling out. Kick feeling out of your house. Amen. Kenneth Copeland was listening to his mother talk about how the devil had been on her back all day long and the devil's done this and the devil's done that. And he said, Mama, he said, your house is always so clean and it's so clean today. She said, if you left the door open there and an old muddy hog came in with mud all over it and was slinging mud everywhere and came in your house, what would you do to that old hog? She said, I'd get a broom and I'd run him out. He said, and that's what you need to do with the devil in your life. That's right, that's right. Run him out. Come on, somebody. Give the Lord a hand clap. Run him out. Oh. Number three, God speaks to us in a gentle whisper. And the, and the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of God. For the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Sometimes when we are at the lowest points, God will speak the softest. We need to be listening to that still, small voice of God, that whisper. Just a whisper. Just a whisper. When you are at your lowest, God often speaks the softest. Sometimes it's just a word. And it, it, it may not be much, and it may not be loud, but let me tell you something. It'll always be enough if you're listening. If you listen closely enough, you may hear that Still small voice, I'm here, I'm with you, I'll never forsake you, I'll go with you. You're more than a conqueror. You're going to overcome in this situation. I'm going to give you victory. Come on, somebody. How many of you know we need to listen 
for when God speaks. Can I get a witness? Let's move on. Number four, in closing this morning, God gives us something to do. The Lord said, go back your way into the desert, and when you get there, anoint Hazel the king, anoint Jehu, and anoint Elisha uh, the prophet to take your place. Now, you're a mom. Go back and do what moms do. You're a business person. Go back and do what business people do. If you're a prayer warrior, go back and do what prayer warriors do. It, 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 do you have the gift of serving? Go back and serve someone. If you have the gift of giving, go back and give something. If, you know, go back and do what God has called you to do and watch how he will bring you out of that situation. And I want to close on this because I'm going to have the worship team get ready to come. Matter of fact, worship team, would you come on up and get ready? I want you to notice something here. What was Elijah afraid of? What was Elijah afraid of? What was Elijah afraid of? Death. Everybody say death. Say it again. I can't hear you. He was afraid of death. Remember, Jezebel said, I'm going to have your life. And what did he do? He was afraid. And what did he do? He ran. I want to show you something here. His greatest fear, his greatest fear was death. And something that he never experienced was death. There's your revelation. Chew on that. Chew on that a little bit. He said, oh, wait a minute. Everybody dies. It's appointed unto man wants to die, but not Elijah. Elijah didn't want to die. I mean, he served God with all his heart. And then when he had done those things that he needed to do, he went and done the three things that God told him to do. And the last one was Elisha. Anoint him. Elisha began to follow Elijah. And he said, stay here. I'm going on. He said, I ain't staying here. I'm going with you. Elisha said, wherever you go, Elijah, I'm following you. He was right on his heels. And he went to the last place as he crossed the Jordan River. Elijah, the last miracle he did, he took, his, he took that mantle, that anointing, smote the waters, and they parted. He walked over on dry land. Elijah walked right behind him. Oh, my goodness. Whoa. Then all of a sudden, Elisha looks. And it's the chariot of God coming out of heaven. Oh, my goodness. Look at this. And the chariot of God and the angels of God coming down. And Elijah sees it. Coming after you, buddy. You didn't want to face death, and you're not going to. Only two men in the Bible, Enoch and Elijah, was ever taken by God. One day, Enoch was just out walking and having fellowship with God. God loved that fellowship so much. He said, Enoch, won't you just go home with me? Well, I don't want to die. You don't have to die. Just come on home with me. And they went. And this is the same thing that Elijah did got in the chariot they looked back at the prophet Elisha and Elisha was saying hey what about me he said here you go here's the medal 
and he threw the mantle down. Elijah, Elisha grabbed it up. And as he looked and he saw the prophet going off into the sunset, riding the chariots of God with a grin on his face, I never face death. See, the very thing that you think is going to happen, people think it's going to come up on them. But it didn't come up on Elijah. He went to be with God. Would you bow your heads with me this morning?